0: welcome to the river of life church podcast your home for weekly messages that will equip you in your spiritual growth thank you from everyone here at ROLC and enjoy the sermon well good morning River of Life and good morning to everyone who's worshiping and watching online we're thrilled to have you here this is the day the Lord's made no matter what you're facing God made this day he didn't make your circumstances But He did make your day. Sometimes when life is hard, anyone ever experience hardship in life? Sometimes when we feel like life is hard, all we want to do is see it all change, get back to normal, and then we can continue to live the good life. Well, it's important to understand, and this is what I'm going to be talking about today, that until we draw our last breath, We are in the battle. Did you hear me? We are in the battle. And the battle isn't about us surviving. The battle is about us assaulting, coming against the kingdom of darkness and bringing the message of the love of Christ, His salvation, His deliverance, His healing, the promises of His Word, which by the way... Are yay and amen. Everyone say yay. yay. Right? They're yay and amen. And so when we understand that's what the battle is about, it's not about surviving, it's about advancing. And what happens when we get a hit, one of the darts, the fiery darts of the enemy, as the apostle Paul calls it in Ephesians chapter six. Sometimes when that hits us, it can cause us to step back. And then all of a sudden, we go, my goodness. I didn't expect that. Listen, it's all part of the enemy's strategy to do what? Distract in the battle. He doesn't want another man or a woman of God on the front line. He wants us to retreat, to become so self-absorbed that we don't see anything but ourselves. And if the battle is affecting us negatively, then, oh, I, I don't know if I'm into this battle anymore. There's a lot of people... When they really begin, they're serving Jesus. I've had people say, Pastor, my goodness, I've, I've been serving the Lord. I've been, I've been giving to Him, and I've been sharing my faith. And now it's like all hell broke out against me. Well, not all of hell broke out against you, but hell did break out against you. Absolutely. But honestly, if you look around, people that don't know the Lord, people who aren't sharing the Lord, all hell is breaking out against them too. The difference between them and you, us as believers, is we have been entrusted, endowed with authority, with a weaponry, the arsenal of heaven, so that in the midst of the fight, in the midst of the battle, we can do what? We can stand and then continue to advance. Like I said, people in the world don't know Jesus, they get sick. They have financial issues. They have children that overdose on drugs. Cindy and I, last week, we were on vacation. It was a wonderful time to refresh and renew with with our children and grandchildren. Then about three days into the vacation, I'm walking back to our uh, our unit that we had rented. All of a sudden, I see all these emergency vehicles. We were on the second floor of a 14-story facility. And I see all these emergency vehicles, the fire, EMTs, the police, the state police, as well as the local. And when I looked over the balcony, I saw a sheet covering a body. Later, I was informed that a 20 year old young man from the 14th floor, the top of the facility, had jumped to his death. It was gruesome, it was heartbreaking to see how his body was mangled because of that decision why did he do that because we're in a battle and people who don't have hope people who don't have Jesus they're dealing with the same things that hit us as believers but we know how to handle the enemy and that's what I want to talk about today I'll be talking about the battle In fact, if you look at Scripture, you'll find since the beginning of the world, this planet has been in conflict. Adam and Eve's regretful decision by eating of the forbidden fruit caused this earth to spiral downward. And as a result now, everything that happens from that assault in the garden against Eve and then later Adam succumbed to it, We have been encountering two words. And this is something a lot of churches don't preach on. That's why a lot of believers live in defeat. It's called spiritual warfare. There is a battle raging. And this warfare, you know what it does? It appeals to self-serving desires of humanity. See, temptation appeals to self. Isn't that what happened with Eve? First, the enemy showed her the forbidden fruit. It looks great, doesn't it? Let's Take a bite. Well, we're not supposed to eat. The day we eat of it, we'll surely die. Are you sure you'll die? And then it says in Scripture, when the woman saw that it was pleasant to the eye, it appealed to her self-absorbing desires. That's what temptation does. What's in it for me? How will I benefit? Satan said, you'll be like God. And that is what the enemy has been using. Maybe not those exact words, but that same appeal to where it's something that will gratify us personally. Instant self-gratification. And then as a result, what happens, it separates. Once people choose wrong, when they choose sin, that's for any of us, when they choose sin over obedience to God, the moment that happens, There's a separation that takes place. And that's what happened with Adam and Eve in the garden. They were separated from God. At one time they walked in the cool of the day with Him. And now because of one bad decision, it's amazing what one bad decision can do. And because they ate of the forbidden fruit, now what they once enjoyed, oneness, unity with Almighty God, now they were separated. And that's what sin does. It separates us from God. Any of you, if, there, if you've made a bad choice, if you've disobeyed, or maybe you've participated in something that God says, that's the forbidden fruit, that's a no-no. That is not what I desire for your life. That is not pursuing righteousness. And then afterwards, don't, don't you just feel the, the conviction, not the con- condemnation, but the conviction of the Holy Spirit? You just feel bad until you bring that to the Lord and, and, and apologize. Confess your sin. That's what confessing our sins are. God, I hurt you when I did that. God, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. I offended you. Forgive me of my sin. And I'm overwhelmed every time. If there's an area where I've missed it, then when I apologize to Almighty God, what does He do? He's faithful to forgive. And then I feel my peace again. Then I feel my joy again. All because I got rid of that barrier that sin that was separating from me and God. And so when we look at spiritual warfare, when we look at the battle, the battle is about not only us making sure our lives are where they need to be as we live for Him every day, but it's really about us going to the front lines and then taking and pursuing the enemy like David did. He didn't run from Goliath. He went to the freight line and he pursued the enemy. And that's what God is calling us to do. So, in the midst of this, how do we deal with the conflict then? I mean, I think all of us, we, we want to we live a life that's honorable before the Lord. How, how many want to? I don't think anybody woke up today and said, How can I sin today? <laughs> you know, what sin can I commit today, right? No one did that. There, you're, you're here. And those of you who are watching and worshiping online, you're here because you want to honor the Lord so in the midst of this when we're in the conflict how do we do good battle how do we succeed how do we overcome the enemy and how do we then become aggressive in invading his territory and taking back what he stole from God's people what he stole from Almighty God isn't that why Jesus came He came to redeem us, pay the ransom, pay the price, bring us back into His family, and so that's what we need to be aggressive with. We need to invade the enemy's territory. I like that old song back in the nineties. I went into the enemy's camp, and I took back what he stole from me. That—that's spiritual warfare. We—if we just try to exist, you'll be the most frustrated Christian in the world. You're not here to exist. You're here to prosper. But you can't do that if you're not in the fight, if you're not in the battle. Amen? So let's look at our text today. Paul is writing Timothy, a young pastor of over 100,000 people in his church, the church of Ephesus. And so this is what Paul instructs, what he counsels Timothy to do. He says, fight the good fight of faith. Everybody say the good fight. Fight Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold of eternal life. That means grab on to it. Just don't think about it. Latch on. Become one with it. Lay hold of eternal life to which you were also called and have confessed the good confession. There's a difference between a confession and a good confession. To where you have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Now, again, Paul is writing to Timothy and, and the church of Ephesus. They were going through intense persecution. Sometimes we feel like we have it hard. And, and there is opposition in this nation to the Christian message, to, to Jesus Christ. And, and now with the generations that are now coming in to leadership, some of them have never, ever heard the gospel message. They've seen religious narratives, but they have never really heard the pure gospel message of salvation through Jesus Christ. And so when they look at a lot of what is being portrayed in society, people feel like, the unsaved feel like, these undoctrinated individuals who have never heard the pure gospel, the preaching, teaching of the word, they begin to look at all of this and and they just say there's double standards. And and Satan has a way of, of allowing the unsaved to see those with the double standard. Those that make it all about money, make it all about their personal kingdoms, rather than about Jesus. You know, honestly, after I got saved in 1974, my heart's desire was, I just want to love Jesus and tell other people about Him. I want to grow in my understanding, my relationship with Him, and I just want to reflect Jesus. I know I'm not perfect. There's no one perfect, right, except Jesus. That's why He came. But I sure am in agreement with allowing Him to perfect me. And that should be all of our desires. Lord, perfect me. Transform me. Change me. So that when people look at my life, they won't see hypocrisy. They'll see Jesus. Amen? So these believers, they were going through it. They were were being put to death. Their families were being taken from them. And, And Paul knew they needed encouragement. Not only Timothy, who was at the helm leading the church there. But then also the people who were discouraged, they'd given up some of them. I mean, to profess Jesus was absolutely a life and death profession of faith. And in order for them to prevail, just like all of us, how many of you want to prevail in the face of opposition? How many of you want to prevail in the quest to bring Jesus to more people who don't know Him and need to... To experience and encounter him. How many of you want that? In order to prevail, not to survive, but to prevail, carry forth the Great Commission, then Paul knew, just like we need to know, how to deal with the devil. So let me ask you a question. Those of you worshiping online, how do you deal with the devil? Those of you in this auditorium, how do you deal with the devil? I just get on my knees and I cry and I pray and I say, Help me, Jesus. Well, that may be a starting point, but absolutely there's so much more beyond that. You see, we need to understand that fighting isn't enough. But rather, it needs to be what Paul says in our text, the good fight. How do you demonstrate the good fight? In our text, again, Paul says... Fight the good fight of faith. You know what that means? First, if you're going to fight the good fight, not just to fight, but the good fight, you have to be willing to show up for the battle. There's so many people, they run from the battle. You know, they, they run from conflict, they hide from it, they become self absorbed, they become depressed, fearful. And those are all strategies that the enemy brings against us because of spiritual warfare. But we can't and cannot allow all of those emotions, all of those thoughts, all of that strategy that sometimes hammers us like, like a barrage of missiles, we cannot allow that to change our perspective, to change our focus. And so in order to fight the good fight of faith, you got to show up. Don't run from the devil. Face him. Confront him. Not alone, but in the name of Jesus. There's an ancient proverb that states, know yourself, know your enemy, and you shall win a hundred battles without loss. How many of you would like to have a hundred battles without loss? Then you need, as the proverb says, to know yourself, know your enemy, and know you shall win. Have that confidence. Have that expectation. I will overcome. You see, the good fight means know your enemy. Isn't that what Peter talks about in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8? Look at that with me. Your adversary, the devil. Who? Your adversary, who? The devil. Your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Now, the devil has an insatiable appetite spiritually to devour as many of God's people, His image, as He can. Jesus exposed the enemy in John ten ten. The thief comes not what to steal, kill, destroy. That's all a part of the devouring process. So Satan has an insatiable desire to destroy the image of God. When he hurts the image of God, that's men and women, he hurts God, breaks God's heart. When you see all that's happening in our world, all of the narratives morally that are changing, redefinitions and even ignoring science you know, which science many times can confirm the principles that God has set in place to govern the universe. But then you have the world that wants to destroy, remove, because they're ruled by the narrative of the kingdom of darkness. Satan has taken control of the unregenerate minds of people. And so he tries to twist the truth and bring his own lie as if it were truth. And so all of these lies that come against us the source behind it is not a person and that's what it's imperative to understand because sometimes we get angry at people and and then when you see even in our nation this great divide and and people are debating honestly when we, we zero in on what truth is in scripture jesus said john 17 17 thy word is truth when we allow the word of god which is truth to be our measuring stick and our foundation. Our shield, our sword. The sword of the Spirit. Doesn't Scripture say it's the Word of God? Sharpie than any two, Sharper than any two-edged sword. Piercing to dividing asunder. Soul and spirit, joints and marrow. The Word of God is the decipher. It's the discerner. And when we ignore, when we stray from the Word of God, then you know how we do battle against the devil? Reasoning. Debate. The devil will take you on in debate any day of the week. He loves when people take that step to debate him. But when you take the devil into the arena of faith, where the rule of, God, where the rule of God's word is, is established, and when there is no shifting or, or, or changing of what God has said, the devil will lose every time. The arena of the world is removes the arena of faith and the devil when he debates he will win every time but if you take him into the arena of faith the word of god will disarm him every time hallelujah Amen. hallelujah that's the good fight of faith that good fight knows its enemy so that means you're not the problem some of you say oh i'm just this it's just that it's the way i was made it's my temperament you know god doesn't make bad things Do you know even the forbidden fruit in the tree in the center of the garden, the tree of knowledge of good and evil? That wasn't an evil tree. God made it. How could God make evil? But that was God's tree. He was the only one that could handle that aspect of knowledge. And when that disobedience was acted on, and they ate what God had commanded them not to eat from, that's when the problems started for mankind which also affected the entire earth. I'm astounded. Even now with having redone the parking lot, we have the new entranceway, and we've, we've just invested a lot into our facility. God is blessing here. You know, but I'm astounded. I'll walk outside. The other day I went out, and there was a weed growing right in the middle of the asphalt in our new paving area. I said, how in the world? I plant tomato seeds. I can hardly get them to grow. And then I plant nothing in the asphalt, and it grows. It's an enigma, isn't it? And so that's the way sin is. It will spring up anywhere at any time. But what do you do? You deal with sin. And so, and so what did I do when I saw that growing out of the uh, asphalt? I did what any good gardener would do: Roundup. <laughs> Roundup. You know. I sprayed that on there like putting the blood of Jesus on our sins. It kills everything. Hallelujah. That's not of God. And so issue resolved, but still it doesn't mean that may not return again. And what would have happened if I didn't deal with that? And 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 the and the weeds that grow around our homes where we all live or or even around this property, if you ignore it, it gets out of hand. And then it's like a day or two later, especially after rain. You'll begin to see just. This massive mess of clutter. Clutter that you do not desire. And always mixed in is poison ivy, poison oak, sumac. You know, I'm astounded how that can grow, and we've never planted seeds for that. And so that's all a result of the fall. The world was impacted. Not only mankind was impacted by sin, but all of creation. That's why there's death. So that means because God found it necessary and because He loves so much, that he sent his son, Jesus, to fight the good fight. It began with him. We are called to pick up the baton since his ascension to the right hand of the Father and fight the same good fight. You're not the problem. You're not the issue. There's a source behind what's harassing you. And that also means others are not the problem. Sometimes we get so angry or frustrated with people, even family members at times, And then we say, Lord, I raised them. I taught them better than that. Well, they're just going through what everyone goes through, spiritual warfare. That's what temptation is, spiritual warfare. And God doesn't want us to be ruled by temptation. He wants us to rule over temptation. And He has given us the ability. He has given us the the equipment, the arsenal, so that we can stand firm, resist the devil, as James says, and he'll flee. How many of you are tired of the devil pursuing you and you're ready to see him flee in Jesus' name? Then fight the good fight. The enemy, again, is Satan and his myriad of demon spirits in the kingdom of darkness. And when we understand this, this is the first step towards fighting, again, the good fight, which in turn changes how you fight. When you understand, when you know your enemy, then it'll change how you fight. I'm not the problem. That person that frustrates me or harasses me, they're not the problem. They may be a a vessel in the hand of the enemy, but they're not the issue. It's the source behind the person or the source trying to motivate me. And when we understand this, it changes how we fight. What am I saying? God is your resource. Amen. About three people believe that. Let me say it again. God is your resource. That's it. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 4 and 5. For the weapons of our warfare, Paul includes himself, we're all in the battle. It's not exclusive to one person. Every person, saved or unsaved, they're in the battle. But for the believer, Paul says, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. That means it's not a, you know, 44 Magnum. It's not Hamilton, you know... uh, Vehicles that are armor protected and in in combat where there's heavy artillery. They're not carnal. It's not a knife. The weapons of our warfare, they're not carnal. They're not man-made. But they're mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Verse 5 says, doing what? Casting down arguments. The enemy attacks here. They become arguments. Imaginations. Remember I talked about debating the devil. The devil will fight you. In the arena of the mind. But he'll lose in the arena of faith. And that's why Paul says, you know, don't begin to debate the devil. The weapons you're utilizing, they're, they're not carnal, but they're spiritual. They're mighty through God. They will pull down these strongholds that have held you captive, habits, addictions, fears, mindsets. He's giving you the ability, verse 5, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. What is the knowledge of God? The Word of God. You want to know God's opinion? Read His book. Read His history. His story. Casting out every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing every thought into obedience of Christ. Other translations say into captivity. Take every thought captive. Make it your prisoner. Instead of the thoughts taking you captive making you their prisoner prisoners of fear prisoners of lust prisoners of hate you take authority and you take charge and you bring them into obedience think about it in scripture David understood this principle he knew that the weapons he needed to succeed as king even as that 17 year old boy in, in front of that Goliath David understood this principle and that's why he defeated Goliath do you know Daniel in the Old Testament he understood this principle That's why he was able to sleep with lions. When's the last time you spent the night with lions and lived to talk about it? Elijah understood this, and he called down fire from heaven. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they understood this, which is what enabled them to have church in a furnace. Are you with me? All of these men fought the good fight. Everybody say the good fight and it was this good fight that released my next point good faith good faith good fight needs good faith amen you got to have that confidence you got to have that insu- uh, assurance there is no good fight without faith there's none that's why the scripture says it's impossible to please god without what faith paul reveals this in our text first timothy 6:12 he says fight the good fight of faith Faith is what enables us to wage a good fight, which means without faith, the battle was over before it begins. Is this making sense? Sometimes I think we become so familiar with the word faith, it loses its impact, at least in our minds and perceptions. Faith pleases the Lord, as I said a moment ago. Hebrews eleven six. but without faith it's impossible to please Him, for he who comes to God must believe. How many of you believe today? Yes. Must believe that He is and that He is a rewarder of those who seek Him or those who diligently seek Him. Do you know, I, I'm an avid sports fan, and I played sports all through school. I did very well. And I remember some of the individuals that I played with who were not maybe as gifted as other athletes that were playing, but because they were diligent, they were able to develop what they had and go beyond those who were more gifted. Because sometimes when you're more gifted, there can be that tendency to slack, that tendency to get by rather than be... Everything God enabled you to be. And so maybe there are some great heroes of faith that you could think of. If I asked for some of you to call out a few names, you would would share those names. Some we may recognize, some we would not, but they're personal heroes to you. They made an impact in your life. But the one thing you'll find about those that really go on, it's not because they were the most gifted. In fact, I have found God calls and raises people up who are less gifted because they'll become more diligent because they recognize their need for help. Isn't that where Moses was? Lord, I stutter. You know, I have a new reputation. I was exiled as a murderer, you know, from Egypt. Why would they believe me? The Jewish people, they won't believe me. Pharaoh hates me. This will never work. But we know Moses took the step. Even though he was less gifted by his own perception, God saw what he could do with a man who was flawed, who had made mistakes, but was willing to step out by faith. Faith is an amazing dynamic. You know, the Bible says the demons, the devil, they believe. So believing's not enough. When we really believe... Then we go to that next level and we step out by faith. We do what we can't do so God can do what He can do. Does that make sense? The good fight of faith. Praise the Lord. Faith pleases the Lord because it enables you to do and become and be just like the Lord. That's astounding. When we exercise faith, it enables us to do what we can't do. And that then causes us to exemplify The Lord, they see the same Lord we're speaking of in the demonstrations that we bring to the table, bring to the ministry, bring to prayer for those who are in need. Faith empowers you to resist sin. Did you know that? Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word. You're not in the Word, then you're going to find your faith level is going to be low, and that same sin is just going to continue to dominate in your life. You're free of it. The blood of Christ broke it, but you'll begin to doubt that. Why? Because your faith level was low. Why? Because you're not in the Word. You're not sitting under the preaching of the Word, the teaching of the Word. And, and, and we just don't want to sit under a part of God's Word. We want the whole counsel of God. That means we hear about themes like spiritual warfare. We look forward to being taught on the gifts of the Spirit and how they enter the equation of spiritual warfare. We want to be taught on the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. We don't want to come to church and just feel good. Because feeling good isn't going to empower anyone to do good. The Word of God will elevate our faith level. Hallelujah. I said this a couple weeks ago. A lot of people say, "Uh, uh, I don't think God speaks anymore. Oh, He's still speaking. Just open His Word. You know, right here. He speaks. Amen? Amen? He speaks. Praise God. Faith empowers us to resist sin. Faith equips you to conquer giants. How many giants need to come down that are trying to keep you from fulfilling what God has called you to do? Again, God's breakthrough for us as people, as believers, is not about living the good life so we can get comfortable again. It's about clearing the passageway, the pathway, so we can continue to advance Jesus. Sometimes because people feel so unworthy. I've got news for you. You are unworthy. That's why the last song we sang was, Worthy is the Lamb. The only way we become worthy is through Jesus. But if we continually live seeing our weakness, our failures, our mistakes, and we begin to personalize them like we're the problem, then we're totally ignoring the element and the dynamic of spiritual warfare. Then we're so self-absorbed with guilt and inadequacy and mediocrity that we see ourselves as the problem I'm so unworthy, God could never use me. We're worthy only because of Jesus. Without him, no one's worthy. Amen. And when we come to that place, then it's like it's like a wake-up call. You remember that old commercial? There was this food spice. It was called Accent. How many remember that the accent? And remember they would sprinkle that accent on a turkey or whatever. And, and it was and they would use it like a wake-up call. The woman or, or the man, the person that's preparing the, the food, the meat for, for, you know, to be cooked would slap it. You would hear this loud slap. Then they would shake on the accent and they'd say, wake up. And, and you know what? That's what God wants to do for us, the church, for believers. Wake up. It's a wake up call to understand, you know, what the hour is and what we need to do to continue to be used of Him. You know, and it's stop being overcome by the enemy and overcome him in return, which opens the door for people to see and hear that the Lord is good. It's one one thing for us to share a message. It's quite another when people see the gospel alive. They see the results. I've always said fruit speaks. The world says results speak. They're one and the same. Fruit results, they speak. You can talk to someone until they're blue in the face. But when you take and you share and they see Jesus in your life, they hear your testimony, how Jesus healed your body, how Jesus broke that stronghold of sin, that addiction, whatever it may be, how God healed your broken marriage, whatever it may be, when people see, that's a whole different story. Hallelujah. Faith equips us to conquer giants. Do you know what faith also emboldens us to move mountains? How many of you have a few mountains that need to be moved in order for you to continue in your journey of faith and be useful in the kingdom's ministry and purposes? Look at what Jesus said in Matthew 17, 20. He talked about moving mountains. If you have faith as a mustard seed, notice how faith is equated with, with mountain moving as well. If you have faith as a mustard seed, he didn't even say have faith as large as a coconut or a watermelon, right? He took something very small, insignificant in the eyes of many. He said, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this what? Mountain. To what? Mountain. You'll say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move and nothing will be impossible for you. Now, I'm sure, because it's human nature and Satan plays on that, you know, for us to view certain things as impossible. But Jesus said it, so I believe it. He says, all things are possible if we'll draw on that faith, which in turn will enable the mountains, the giants, the obstacles to be dealt with, resolved, and removed. Get it far away from me in Jesus' name. Some of you need some mountains to move. Faith speaks to the mountain. So many times we're running to people, oh, if only pastor could pray for me, or if this evangelist could pray for me, or if I, uh, you know, we just look, oh, oh, I just hope I get the right doctor. It's important. God does use medical professionals. Amen. Thank the Lord for that. Somebody say amen. amen. But you know what? They can only go so far. And that's when we come to that place, that resolve. That understanding that the end result it all rests with Jesus, it all rests with him. You know sometimes when I heard Dr. David Jeremiah he shared this last night, Cindy and I were watching him, and uh, just a wonderful man of God, and uh, just very gifted and uh, as a teacher, but he was talking about when he went through his bout with cancer, and in, in the process when he had certain tests run, after when he was he pronounced cancer free. But, you know, you go back and there's retesting just to make sure the blood is clean. Everything is where it needs to be. And so here, while he was, uh, had gotten the blood work done, the doctor said it's going to be 10 days till we have the results. And he, he said, that 10-day period was the longest 10 days of my life. Why? Because it was a place of not knowing. And he said, I resolved that during that 10 days, I knew that God already knew. Amen? And because God already knew, then He has already provided and dealt with this. And I would speak by faith. Faith speaks. What do you need to speak over? There's always going to be something we're waiting on. Life is filled with interruptions. Some of them are wonderful. When all of our nine grandchildren breathe their first breath, and now here they are growing and becoming strong. What a blessing. We love. Cindy and I love our family. Nothing like it. All of that were wonderful interruptions, but there are other interruptions that come that aren't loved. In fact, they repulse us. They offend us. They cause us fear and trepidation. We need to speak to those interruptions. Faith speaks. Amen? Faith enables us to think and speak God's language. And this is when miracles happen. How many of you are ready for a miracle? And not a miracle to go back to comfort, but a miracle so you can continue to advance the message of Jesus, to be effective, be useful in His hands. People aren't afraid of the battle when they have faith. Did you hear that? And this is why faith always produces, my closing point, a good confession. We've looked at the good, the good fight, the good faith, and now the good confession. You'll find whether good or bad, your confession contains power. Amen? Paul refers to this again in our text. He says, fight the good fight of faith, lay hold on eternal life, to which you were also called to have, confe- to have confessed the good confession. There it is. In the presence of many witnesses. Our testimony, our good confession not only honors God, but it's for the benefit of others. God didn't save us and tell us to shut up. God saved us and told us to speak up. Did you hear that? Those of you watching online, did you hear that? Everything God does is about people understanding He is still the same God today as He was 2,000 years ago, 6,000 years ago. He never changes. He's omnipotent, and all-powerful. He's omniscient, all-knowing, hallelujah, all places. That's our God. Praise the Lord. Your words. Sometimes we don't think before we speak. That could be a travesty at times. There's a rippling effect from our words. Whether someone speaks ill of another... Those words bring life to discouragement, even possibly to a lie when gossip is involved. Words can produce life and death. Scripture teaches that. That's why your words, they affect others. Proverbs 15.1. Look at what Solomon says. He says, a soft answer turns away wrath. You know, sometimes God, he, he, guys want to be macho. You look at the road rage that happens, and, and there'll be a couple of fellas going down the road and all of a sudden, one cuts another one off, and they pull over, and like, who's the tougher guy? You know, and then maybe they, they'll get in their MMA stance, right, and, and just try to intimidate the other. You know, but a soft answer, a soft answer. You know, even a soldier, a soldier doesn't want to go into battle. They fight so there can be peace. And so if we can establish peace through our words, through our words, Jesus was the prince of peace. When did you ever see him in a physical altercation? When he was crucified, he submitted to that. There was no resistance on our Savior's end. But during his ministry, when people opposed him, accused him, lied about him, he never took offense. Never. Was never offended. He never lost sight of his purpose. His focus was there. And that's what temptation does. That's what even strife does. It wants to derail us, lose sight of our destination, lose sight of the cause, lose sight of the purpose, just like spiritual warfare when it hammers all of us. It's there to distract us, to cause us to lose sight of the cause, the cause of Jesus Christ. Solomon says, a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up strife. How many families have been destroyed by harsh words? How many wars have been birthed by harsh words? How many nations have been divided by harsh words? I'm not talking about speaking the truth. Sometimes when you speak the truth, it'll be met with opposition. But we can speak the truth. Here it is, two words. In love. You must have a good mentor. In love. Words affect others. Words can disarm or escalate a tense situation. Words have the power to create or tear down. So let me ask this question. How are your words impacting those around you? It's a good question. I self-assess all the time. Your words not only affect others, do you know they also affect you? Proverbs 6.2, you are snared by the words of your mouth. You are taken by the words of your mouth. We're made in the image of God. That means our words have an authority and a spiritual dynamic just as they do when they come from the mouth of Almighty God. Words have creative power. That's why our confession, your confession, can either empower you or defeat you. So take an assessment. What's your narrative been lately? Especially when things aren't going your way. What are you speaking? Death? Failure? Defeat? Or are you counteracting with faith? Everybody say faith. Faith. The good fight of faith. Kenneth Hagin, Sr., he said this. He says, our confession will either imprison us or set us free. Our confession is the result of our believing, and our believing is the result of our right or wrong thinking. In conclusion, life is not about pulling back, but rather about advancing. As you fight the good fight, everybody say the good fight, combined with good faith, say good faith, you will change the spiritual atmosphere with your good confession. There's a process, this is how we deal with spiritual warfare. Every life, that's you, that's me, from the beginning to the end of time, every life is a reflection of what they believe. We live what we believe. Do you hear me? We live what we believe. The fruit we bear is a result of the life we share. Rather than succumb to your circumstances, challenge them. Do you hear me? Oh, Pastor. Challenge the enemy. Challenge the circumstance. Dare to believe. Dare to believe for God's supernatural breakthrough. That's why my challenge today with this message, I encourage, I challenge everyone to embrace and engage the battle. Don't be like Saul and the Israelites when Goliath would come to the top of the hill. They would all run and hide in their tents. And God used a 17-year-old boy who when he heard the blasphemies, he heard the same narrative that the king of Israel heard. He heard the same narrative that all of those trained soldiers heard. But this shepherd boy, who was least qualified of them all, Rather than run like the king and the soldiers from the battle, he ran towards it. That's faith. Faith speaks, but faith also acts. When Peter heard the command of Jesus to walk on the water, Jesus said, come, one word. And Peter, when he exercised faith, he stepped out of the boat and defied the laws of nature he walked on water it's when his eyes were distracted from focusing on jesus that he began to fail and sink but then he did the right thing everybody say it's good to do the right thing he cried out for jesus and the lord lifted him up i've heard a lot of people and i've said this before a lot of people they criticize peter for that oh look he walked on water and then he sank well i heard this years ago and i've stood with it i love this statement I'd rather be a wet water walker than a dry boat rider. Amen? Faith acts. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Determine in your heart that you've had enough. That's really when it comes to spiritual warfare. We just come to that place where we say enough, that's it. I'm done with this and I'm tired of the enemy harassing me. I'm tired of him Dictating what I will or won't do. I plan my vacation or I plan my schedules around my fears. What might be. Listen to me. Live your life knowing that Jesus is in charge. And that no weapon formed against you shall prosper. You may feel the hit of the sword against your shield. You may feel the fiery dart hit your armor. But you are promised it will not fulfill its end result. The enemy wants to steal, kill, destroy, but God will protect you and you will overcome, as it says in the book of Revelation, by the blood of the Lamb and the word of your testimony. Praise the Lord. Get in the fight. Get in the fight. Show up. Stop living in your tent. and Come out and face the giants. People will see. You will inspire. And you will draw more to Christ because of the good fight of faith, because you have engaged the battle. Hey, I get it. Many people, they get weary. It can really wear you down when you're in the battle. And the, I have found the most predominant way the enemy wants to intensify the weariness is through all of the thoughts, the worry, the what ifs. Don't focus on the what if. Focus on the what is. And what is is Jesus is still on the throne. He still heals the sick. He still sets the captive free. He still is king of all kings and Lord of all lords. His is the only name that every knee in heaven, on earth, and even under the earth will bow down and confess his lordship. That's the God we serve. Amen? It's time to fight. How many are ready to fight? How many are ready to bring your battle to this altar today and draw upon God's blessing, His faithfulness, all that He has for you so that you can live and demonstrate just as Jesus did during three and one-half years of His ministry. You can do the same. And your life can leave a lasting legacy to where others will see your good works. Isn't that what Jesus said we're supposed to do? They will see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Amen? Praise the Lord, let's all stand. As the worship team leads us in in a worship song, I want to open these altars. And I don't know what you've been facing, but you do. Those of you who are worshiping and watching online, obviously you're not able to come to this altar, but I want to encourage you to make an altar wherever you are, in that hotel room, in your home, maybe you're on break from, from work, lunch, or dinner. Wherever you are, find a private place, make an altar, And bring whatever it is you're facing, whatever the enemy is bringing against you, bring that battle to the altar of Jesus Christ. And then cry out, Lord, your anointing, your strength, I'm ready to fight the good fight with good faith and a good confession. And then just do it. Amen? Thanks for listening to the River of Life Church podcast. Subscribe and rate us right now on iTunes to be first to get access to new audio messages every week. Visit rolcdoylestown.org or like us on Facebook to always stay up to date on what's going on at ROLC. If you would like to support this ministry, visit the online giving page at our website. Join us next time for more from River of Life Church.